Welcome to the Artist Academy podcast, a place where we focus on the business side of art to help you attract more customers, increase profits, and ultimately live a life of creativity and financial freedom. I'm your host, Andrea Earhart, and this week's episode features Canada-based artist, educator, and podcaster, Decline. I was first introduced to him through the NFTs for Newbies podcast, and if you haven't listened to my episode on the NFTs for Newbies podcast, head on over there because it's a pretty good one. And I just feel so lucky to be included in their community. And through them, I met Decline and immediately was intrigued by the fact that this guy is a teacher who has found a way to make money as an artist online through NFTs. The idea of making easy money by just sitting behind a computer amazes me if you haven't figured that out by now. So I brought him on the podcast to explain a bit more in depth how he got his start with art and NFTs and how he's making sales. And because that's the magical question, right? Like how can one actually make money through art, especially this weird new world of NFTs? And lucky for us, he shares his quote secrets. (laughs) So let me know what you think about this week's episode with Decline. Hey guys, we are here with D. Klein, and I'm excited to talk about all things art with him. You have a wide variety of things that you do, so let's just get started by, can you tell our Artist Academy members and the podcast listeners who you are and what you do? Okay, well, one thing about me that's maybe unexpected is I'm actually a teacher, so I've taught for more than 25 years, and I just started getting into art as a form of like commercial income when the NFT craze happened. Because prior to that, I only ever did art as a teacher and just for myself. I never did it commercially. So it was only with NFTs that I kind of got into it. And that happened because I'm also a writer. I write for, you might have seen some of my writing on Cointelegraph. I've written for them as a columnist. I wrote a series called Journeys in Blockchain. What was about people getting into the space and uh, it was actually through Cointelegraph that I met some of the artists in the NFT scene, like Josie Bellini and Robness. And that's when I was like, okay, this is too cool to not get involved in this. And so I talked with Robness about it and he kind of taught me about minting and all that stuff. And uh, my first piece was a collaboration with him because of that. And Very after that, I just started doing my own stuff and making stuff on, at the time, Rarible was the most popular platform. And so I was minting on that platform and eventually got onto Known Origin and Foundation. And now I'm on Maker's Place as well. And uh, I also do some work on a number of other platforms. Uh, for example, Koi is another one that I do that's kind of a unique platform, the Koi Network. And uh, yeah, my main work is the Koi Network, Known Origin, Maker's Place, OpenSea. I've dabbled in lots of platforms. You probably have too, I'm guessing. I've actually only done on done it on OpenSea so far. So okay. I'm pretty new to it. When did you start? So when did you first mint your first NFT? First NFT would have been in the fall of 2020 when it was I kind of learned about it in the summer that year. And I think the first mint was in September of 2020. And uh it just exploded in popularity soon after. So I was lucky with the timing for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Mm. there's a lot of artists that come into the Academy and I show them how to mint and how to, you know, set up the things and do all the things. And some of them are kind of struggling to sell their, their NFTs. What is your advice for artists who 
are in that first, you know, couple months or year of it and or what did you do in the beginning? I think a lot of it is perseverance, you know, you have to just be consistently producing so people can see that you're not just there for the craze, you know, but that you're there because it's something you're passionate about, something you love. Because yeah, the sales do go up and down. Uh, we are current, I've seen them go up and down many times during the, that span of time. And there's been periods where I've made no money for a month or two from art. And there's been other periods where I've made money that was like ridiculous during certain periods. Not, nothing like, you know, some of these artists making millions, but still ridiculous in my small reality. So, <laughs> and uh, I think you just have to persevere. You have to be consistent. And if it has to be something you love, you know, I'd see a lot of people that have entered the space because they're like, okay, this is going to be a quick buck. And they usually give up when it doesn't happen quickly, right? You know, because it is, it takes a lot of persistence. You know, when I first started making them, of course, I had the advantage of working with an artist who was already known. But following that, I had to keep producing my own stuff. And I didn't sell anything immediately. You know, it took a few months of kind of fooling around before stuff started to get bought. So yeah. And the other thing I think with that is having a presence on social media, like what you're doing, where you have your podcast. I have a podcast as well. I don't know if you knew that. Was it through NFTs for Nubius? Is that our connection? Is that oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, because they talked to me about NFTs when they were first getting into it because of my podcast, which is NFP. I'll have to do a little plug there. NFP with Decline. But anyway, they came to me and were asking me for advice at the beginning on getting started. And it's the connections are hugely important, right? Like, you know, the podcast, I'm sure you've found that with your podcast, you have a community that's interested in you that connects with you and that follows you. But not just the followers, the people that you actually have on your show become a part of your community, right? They're the people that you then broaden your network with. And I think that's super important. Now, of course, that doesn't mean everybody has to do a podcast. But I think you do have to find ways to be involved beyond just tweeting pictures or posting stuff on Instagram, right? Like maybe it's Twitter spaces. Some people like Clubhouse. Some people get into Discord. I hate Discord personally. <laughs> Me too. I've I've tried to get into Discord and I'll post a couple things and then I'll I just I don't have the oomph to get or the I don't know the, the time. To, I, okay, I don't make the time to get on there. But yeah, your your episode with the NFTs for newbies. I remember I stumbled upon their podcast when I was first figuring out what mm-hmm. NFTs were, and then they interviewed an artist, and I listened to yours. Maybe twice or three times because I was just like, finally, okay, something that like, because at first they were talking about, you know, buying them and what they are and doing that. But whenever, yeah, but whenever you came in and talking about selling them as an artist, I was like, yes, this is gold. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think the neat thing for me has been that I've always enjoyed making art personally for myself, just as enjoyment. I never did it for money because... I didn't see, well, I was teaching, right? I taught art, you know, and I taught other subjects. More recently, I teach other subjects like math and so forth. I never saw it as really a good money-making venture. I think it's pretty rare in traditional art for people to make a good living out of. If you have, that's like a rare achievement, right? So good for you. I feel like the NFT space, there's more accessibility there. But of course, now it's it's very crowded now. So maybe that's changing because... It is a lot tougher now than it was. You think so? A couple years ago. Oh, really? I feel like it. You think so? Okay. I feel like I think the visibility, right? Because if you look at, say, OpenSea, like how many, I was reading it 
I think it was something like 0.2% or something like that of all collections on OpenSea have actually sold something, something ridiculous like that. Like it's a small percentage. Wow. Why do you think that could that be wrong? Is? Don't quote me on that percentage. No, yeah. So it's really small. So why do you think that is? Do you, I mean, I feel like a little bit of it is like the people who are buying believe in the artists, right? And maybe they, the artist also maybe ties themselves to some other charity or whatnot. Have you done anything like that or have you seen success with something like that? Yeah, I have. I uh, work with the Giving Block, actually, which is a fantastic charity organization. And if you don't know about them, they uh, basically the Giving Block is an organization that facilitates crypto donations to charities. And what they do is they help get charities set up to accept crypto. Now, most of these charities, what they'll do is when they get the crypto, they'll convert it to cash. But it's still another channel through which they can accept donations. So previous Christmas, I did a little uh, charitable thing with them where I made these zombie Christmas movie themed works and we donated the proceeds for uh, a bunch of different charities. And it was just so easy with the giving block because literally you just find their Ethereum address of the charity you want. Okay. You go on the giving block, you pick your charity, you can search for, there's more than a thousand of them. And you pick the charity you want to contribute to. You put in the ETH address. You can give your name and uh, information if you want a receipt for tax purposes. And then you just send off the donation. The really great thing if you're in the United States, I'm in Canada, so it's not as good in Canada. But in the United States, if you send it directly from your crypto proceeds to them in crypto, there's no taxable event in that scenario because you're going straight from crypto to crypto to them, you see? And so there, you don't pay the same kind of gains that you would if you converted it to cash and then donated to a charity, you see? Because you're not cashing it out. So you get a bit of a tax break there and it helps the charity. The charity gets more money, basically, is what happens. Oh, that's perfect. Right? And I love that idea of, of partnering with a company like that because it's not one specific charity. It's right. you can donate to a bunch of different ones. So you're not really tying yourself down to one thing. It's like, hey, I help them all. So whichever one you want to do, we can go Well, the other thing is together. with a lot of charities, you don't actually know if they're legitimate charities, especially in crypto, right? But these ones are all vetted. Like, for example, one of them that I really like is called the Mona Foundation. And, you know, I'm a teacher, so I'm a little biased because it's a charity for children, primarily in developing countries who don't normally have access to public education. And basically, it pays their tuition so they can go to school. The crazy thing is, you could sell a piece for a couple hundred bucks and you go, oh, big deal, a couple hundred bucks. That's tuition for like five, six kids for a full year in some of those countries. So you're changing their lives for like really very little, you know? So when I did do that fundraising thing, there was something like 25, 30 kids from the one, there was a few different charities, but for one of them was for Mona Foundation and like something like 25 or 30 kids got to go to school for a whole year because of, and it wasn't a lot of money, like, right? Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Like if you're to try to do that, say here where I live in Canada, that money would not go near as far. So yeah. it's cool to have that kind of impact. With yeah. Crypto. And I feel like we, I specifically, I forget that there are other people, you know, outside of the United States and Canada and like that are not quite as privileged as we are and don't just have education readily available to us. I'm like, oh yeah, wait, no, that's not, not a thing somewhere, somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if you've done well with crypto, it's a really good way to get a tax break. And that's really beneficial. Like, yeah, it's nice to get the tax break, but to actually see that somebody got to, you know, go to school for a year for very little donation. It's pretty cool. 
yeah. then you get the tax break. That is, you know, because the thing is, where we live, school like I, I teach, I know teenagers, they don't appreciate school, right? But you know, if you go to these countries where it's like, you, if you get to go to school, that's a huge privilege, right? You know, so it's a totally different story. Yeah. So, how do you go about partnering with this company? How how did that start? How does that work? I'm kind of the type of person that I have no shame. I just go and ask people, <laughs> you know, so I really like their organization and I had done some work with them just donating to causes I liked. And so I'd had some communications with them because of that. And I just kept communication lines open. I always keep communications open, which is hard because if you have any kind of following, like that's a lot of work communicating <laughs> with people. Right. But they were one that I really thought was a cool idea. So I kept the communication channels open and we just talked back and forth a lot. And I was like, Hey, like I'm doing this podcast gets this many listeners, you know, blah, 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 you know? And yeah, they were like, let's do it. Let's promote the giving block through the podcast. So it's been great. That's awesome. Okay. So say someone buys one of your NFTs, does a portion of that go to the giving block or is that mostly just through like you advertise them through your podcast? I'll do specific ones that I've done as donations. Sometimes it's been 100% of an NFT. Sometimes it's been 50%. It depends. With the Christmas one, that was... I'm not going to claim that I do charitable donations with every single one of my NFTs. But I have done them from time to time. And it'll say actually in the description for them. Like So for example, if you're to look at... There's still some Christmas zombie ones, I think, or one or two that didn't sell. That it will say specifically in there which charity I can donate it to. And what's great about blockchain is... You can check if I'm telling the truth because you can see, okay, I paid the money to decline to his wallet address. And now, okay, where is that money going? Is he actually paying it out to that charity? And if you don't see the money going out to that charity, well, you know, I I mean, I guess I could have used a different wallet theoretically, but I use the wallet because I like to have that them see that continuity there. So they could, you could follow the blockchain and you could see, oh, look, this money was sent to this charity, right? And it's easy to track. Because of the Ethereum, you can just look on Etherscan and see it. So I can't really lie about it. I mean, I guess I could, but (laughs) I'd get caught. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is so great for people who who want to give back. But also I'm hearing too, like just advice for artists too, who they want to be more involved. They want to sell more NFTs. So partnering with a charity. And you just saying that not every piece of profit, not half of your profit every time. It doesn't even, you don't even have to give a little bit every single time. It's just partnering with them, doing what you can. And it helps both of us. Yeah, I do it once in a while, right? There's certain pieces that I go, ah, you know what? I'm going to do this one for charity. Yeah. How do you create your NFTs? Like, do you paint them? So like I paint a canvas and then I convert it. And then like that, do you do it all digitally or? Right. Because when I started this, I actually did it all on my phone when I started. I used my Galaxy Note, just the Samsung Note 10 Plus with the stylus. And so my first two months or so of NFTs are all just done on my phone with, I think it was called Autodesk. Is that correct? Sketchpad? Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's an app. It's a free app. And what was great about that was just the spontaneity of it. You know, I could be anywhere and just draw something and then be like, oh, I like that. I'm going to mint it. But as I got into it more, then I got an iPad Pro, you know, with some of my NFT sales money. And uh, that's like, I love it. You know, it's, the best purchase I've made in the last 
few years is my iPad Pro because I use it constantly and I enjoy it and it still works great. And I use it probably every day since then. I remember the first day I bought it, <laughs> you know how Apple tells you how much you've used an iPad in a week or whatever? You know what I'm saying when I, yeah. when I say that? And I, first day I bought it, it was a Saturday. And then on the Sunday, it says your last week's use, 14 hours. <laughs> so I literally got home with the iPad and used it the entire rest of the day. But uh, it's not quite that crazy now. Now I usually draw on it for an hour or two. I use the app Procreate. Are you familiar with that? Yes, it's the only one that I use. I love it. I use that. I do have a couple other apps, but I find they're just not as good as Procreate. I've often thought, oh, I should play with things like Photoshop. I think you have used Photoshop, yeah? A little bit. There's just so much to it. And it just don't yes. have that like touchable element. Yes. It just, Procreate, it feels like you're actually drawing. Because, you know, it's just that immediacy to it. Yeah. So, okay, so you create this in, in Procreate. And then do you, mm-hmm. do you animate them at all? Or do you just put them, yeah? Many of them are just still images, probably because I come from drawing as a kid. I drew comics all the time. And so I kind of have a bit of a pop art style to most of my work. You know, pretty bold lines and pretty simple colors, bright colors. I do some animated pieces. And again, Procreate's great for that because you can just draw frame by frame and make a GIF or an MP4 or whatever. And uh, I've never actually played with adding music to it. I've often thought about it, but I've never got around to doing it. Most of the time, though, there's still images, just one of one stills. Perfect. I've actually not played around with the whole app making a GIF in, in Procreate or any kind of movement. It's really? I, just, yes. I see the little option right there, and I'm like, huh, that'd be nice to do one day. And then I just. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, with your work, it would work fantastically well. It would be, you know, just, and can, they can just be subtle touches, right? It could just be little things like I think of some of your work where you have kind of the cloud effects and you could just have kind of layers of movement in that or like a mist kind of effect or yeah, could look cool. I'm going to test that out. It might be tonight. Honestly, just like check out YouTube on like animating and create and you'll be able to do it in five minutes. It's very easy. I mean, it's easy in terms of learning how to do it. It's not easy in terms of it can take a long time to do a nice animation that, you know, because it can be like a lot of frames. Okay. I just had someone animate one of my animals to make it into an NFT um, through Mm -hmm. Adobe After Effects. And then I was like, hey, can you make me like a tutorial to show me how you did that? And just the first five minutes of watching his tutorial, I was like, that's too much for me to learn. Yeah, Adobe is way more complicated. Yes. Yes. So, okay, you're basically giving me a happy medium (laughs) with this Procreate thing that I already know how to use that we can just kind of kind of add add a little well you can even look up like you can even do like rotoscope animation on a procreate which is kind of fun like where you just it basically it's where you take a video clip and you're tracing it out the motion you know what i mean and so you get kind of that rotoscope effect of something that's in motion that's from like a video so you know what i mean okay okay cool it's yeah it can be really fun so you could take something you've done and you could video something and then you could i think it'd be cool yeah your style would be well suited to it Thanks. Okay, I'm gonna try it. <laughs> and it seems I'll, like I'll tag you animated animated stuff does appeal to a certain group more so than still work. Does it? Yeah, I'm still so new into the you know T space. I just I have so many questions. Like, where? How are people finding you? Like, who are your buyers? My buyers are mostly from Twitter. I've worked on a following on Twitter ever since I started writing, and at that time, you know, I only had like. 200 followers or something. And basically I just, 
I spend a lot of time interacting with people on Twitter. I like other people's artwork. I comment on other people's art. I retweet other people's art that I like and connect with other artists and collectors through that. And of course I put up my own art work too. It's been tough lately. Like the whole market is very slow lately. Like anyone that's listening, that's like, Oh man, everybody else is doing so well and I'm not selling. It's not true. Most people are struggling right now. You know, it's, we had an enormous crash in the crypto markets because of this whole Luna fiasco. I was and reading about that. Yeah. But I, don't, I really don't know much about it. Really. I was just like, oh, okay, that happened. Okay. Because I do <laughs> NFTs on the side, but I paint murals mostly. And that just, now we're, we're in the busy season of the summer and spring. And so I'm like, okay, now we're busy. So I would, I'm relying on you to keep me in the, in the loop. Yeah, I'm just saying, don't feel too bad if you're not having major sales right now. Because a lot of people are not having sales right now. Basically, what happened really brief is that this Luna currency crashed. I won't get into the details as to why. They attempted to save it by spending Bitcoin, selling Bitcoin, and they sold millions of dollars worth of Bitcoin in a very short period. So, of course, the price is going to crash, right? I won't get into all the details of what happened because I don't 100% know. I have my theories, but... Anyway, it, it came at a time when the market was already slowing down, which I think was deliberate on their part, but not on the part of Terra or Luna, but on the part of the people who coordinated this crash. Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is this is a really good time for people to maybe come in and learn and make a couple mm-hmm. of these things and then maybe put some up and then expect to sell them eventually. But now's a good time to learn is what I'm hearing. Yes. Now's a good learning time. Now's a good time to experiment. Now's a good time to get to know people, network, build. Do it because you like it. That's one positive about this is I do see some of that behavior that's not so great, you know, where they're just people here for money will probably fade a bit, I'm guessing, because, well, they're not going to make the same money. So then they don't have that motivation. I feel like it could be good for the space overall. Of course, it's not great for artists to be hurting and not be making an income. But I think longer term, you have to flush out that kind of stuff. How much were you selling your NFTs for in the very, very beginning? And then how much were you selling maybe last year and then now? Well, the complicating factor is that the value of ETH changed so much. Okay. (laughs) Because when I first sold a piece for one ETH, that's like a lot now, right? Wow. Yeah. But at that time, it was like 400 bucks or something, right? Which was still great. Yeah. (laughs) So great. It was like, holy cow, I sold a piece for an ETH. Right. And it was three or four hundred dollars. Uh, I remember that. That wasn't my first piece. I think most my work sold in the quarter of an eighth kind of range. But again, that was like a hundred bucks, 75 bucks. Right. Now, of course, a quarter of an eighth is what it's at now, five hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. So, yeah. So, you know, it's changed in terms of value. And I do make a lot, a lot, a lot of art. Like I produce a lot of art. So, you know, some like people I know. A day? close. Wow. That's impressive (laughs) though. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I'll hold off on minting and then I'll have like five pieces over the last few days. And I'm just like, that's it. I'm just minting them all. And often I'll just list them on OpenSea because then you don't have to pay a gas fee. Right. But for pieces that are kind of a little more my premium pieces, I'll put those on known origin or maker's place is just new for me. I just got on maker's place a few weeks ago. And so I've just got two pieces on there and I'm being very sparing with that platform. I'm not going to load it with a bunch of stuff. I'm going to keep it relatively scarce, the amount of pieces that are on there. 
Okay. And so for somebody really new and they're, they're you're putting all these names out there and they're like, oh my yeah. gosh, it's a lot to <laughs> Sorry. Do you, do you, so like for somebody like me who's just on OpenSea, do you think mm-hmm. that's okay to just kind of stay there for the next six months or a year? Or do you think I should be branching out and or new artists should be looking on other ones? I think it's worth trying other platforms. Like for example, you could even try other blockchains like Solana. It's pretty cool. You could try. Problem with Solana is the actual platforms for selling like art art are not that popular, right? Like I think there's one called exchange.art on Solana. It doesn't get a ton of volume, but that might be a good place to try things because the minting is very cheap. Of course, I do also work with the Koi network because I made this whole Koi zombies thing with them. And they're very, very affordable too. So you could try that. The interesting thing with them, this is totally different. Maybe you've never heard of this. But with the coin network, I made these atomic zombies and they're zombies that change when people look at them. So when you click on them, they actually have things change to their attributes. But the beauty of it is whoever owns it actually earns koi tokens when people look at them. So it's a different system because you don't have to sell your art. You just have to have people look at your art and you earn from people looking at it, which is kind of cool. That's just mind blowing. Yeah, that's really cool. Yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm so it's like, fun to try. Trying to think of how you would even go about doing that. It makes my head hurt a little bit. But that, I love that you're, I love all these different things that are popping up. It's just <laughs> it's a lot of new things, but it's fun. Foundation is, uh, they actually recently changed their contract so that you have like your own contract. So it's a little more controlled than OpenSea. Whereas OpenSea, Basically, when you add items to there, it's in a shared contract, which isn't really yours per se, okay? It's really open seas. And like Foundation, if you can get an invite to it, which isn't too hard, I don't think, if you know somebody on Foundation, there you can get your own contract. (laughs) Please don't all bug me for it. I don't have like (laughs) tons of invitations. (laughs) Okay, Um, But anyway, you actually have your own contract there that's tied to your address and then it will be tied to your identity as opposed to being a shared contract. And of course, if you can get on a curated platform, like for example, known origin recently accepted applications and they do every month or so accept applications for new artists and you apply to the platform and super rare does this too. And so does async and so does maker's place. I mean, they're not easy to get on if you don't have a portfolio, you got to have a portfolio, right? So Mm -hmm. Yeah, like you were saying, though, starting with OpenSea and building up there is a good way to get that, build up that portfolio. I know very successful artists who are only on OpenSea. For example, Gabe Weiss, he's extremely successful, like very popular, and he is only on OpenSea. So you can do it just on OpenSea. Okay. Are these buyers, are they finding you from being on the platform or are they coming from your Twitter? I'm guessing they're mostly from Twitter. I feel like they mostly are. I mean, occasionally when I do put something up on Say No Origin, there are people who have bought my stuff in the past. And I think because they're following me, it probably lets them know, oh, hey, this person minted a piece. And then they'll see it and they'll buy it. The nice thing about the smaller platforms like Known Origin is there's not as much traffic there. So if I mint a piece there, it can be on the front page for like, a while, like a day, right? So that is kind of nice. But having said that, they're not seeing the sales volume of something like OpenSea, not anywhere near that volume, right? So yes, this and that, pros and cons. Very cool. 
Awesome. Is there anything <laughs> extra that you want to be like, there's a lot of newer artists in here who maybe don't have a following quite yet. So they have maybe like a couple thousand on Instagram and maybe just started a couple a thousand on Instagram is great. <laughs> yeah. And, or they're just kind of just getting started. Like they, they say they maybe have a portfolio now that they're looking to turn into NFTs. Like what, what's your mm-hmm. biggest advice for someone? I think you just have to kind of be brave and go for it. OpenSea is an easy place, relatively speaking, to try things because of the fact that you only have to get the initial storefront fee. And then after that, you can just list stuff all you want, right? And you can make unique collections. I encourage experimenting. Try stuff. See what resonates, what people like. And definitely... Yes, you do have to be active socially. You want to be in things like Twitter spaces. Like what I do when I go into Twitter spaces, I look for all the people who are speakers and who are people with decent followings in there. And I just go through and I check them and I follow them because, you know, it's a good way to kind of build your network. And sometimes if I really like them, I'll send them a message and say, hey, I really like this work, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it doesn't have to be something where I'm trying to manipulate them or get them to buy something. I might just say, hey, this is a really cool piece. And that's the end of it, right? But it's still connecting with people. And of course, again, my podcast, that helps with that. But you don't need the podcast to do that. I think you just need to be active. I mean, it is a challenge because you can't just be an artist and leave it at that, it seems. Unless you're, I mean, unless you're really successful and can hire like a manager or somebody to do all that stuff for you, right? But otherwise, you're going to be active in all those channels, I would expect, in order to get engagement. Yeah. You you get out of it what you put into it is what Mm -hmm. I'm hearing. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work and it's not yeah. easy. And I feel like that's just like everything. Like if you want to be a muralist, you know, you got to learn how to do that. And it's like, it takes a while to build up. If you want to be an NFT artist and really sell consistently, like I think a lot of kids nowadays make it look really easy, but it's really There easy. are the odd stories where you get these kids who make like a million dollars or whatever, something crazy and, you know, some amazing little incident, but that's not the typical story, right? Yeah. yeah, but anybody can sell if they put their mind to it, right? Yeah, again, I, it comes back to me that if you love it and you enjoy doing it, you're probably going to do it more consistently and you're going to stand out from people who do not have that same passion. So true. People will see that. Yeah, so true. That's what I've noticed with getting into teaching artists. Like at first I was just like dabbling in it, but it really is like you stay in it because you love it. And mm-hmm. you know, if I didn't, I'd be like, oh, this is way too hard work. I'm just going to go back to painting my on my <laughs> easel. No, thanks. <laughs> but it's, it's like that with everything. But yeah. But that's what saying. I love about Web3. That's what I love about blockchain is if you find something you love doing, work hard at it, get better at it. And you probably will get to a point that some people will pay you for it. Yep. And I feel like it, even though, you know, it's a lot more saturated now in the NFT space, it is. I, think, I feel like it's still so early though. Do you think so? Mm-hmm. Or I do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it is early. Yeah. There's still a lot of volatility. There's still a lot of crazy stories happening. There's still a lot of, you know, it's unfortunate that sometimes it means that there are things like scams and predatory behavior too. But on the plus side, I think there's just so much room for growth, so many opportunities. And there's a lot of stuff people haven't even thought of doing yet, right? In terms of what can be done with the technology. So I think it's going to be very interesting to watch over the next few years. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on and giving your insight. I've, I've learned from this and I know that other artists will as well. So thank you. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Artist Academy podcast. Wasn't that great? Isn't he just so great? And I think what I 
came from this was, you know, with podcasting or with, you know, teaching or with selling art or murals and everything, just to reiterate, like, it really is what you put into it and you get out of it what you put into it. <laughs> and so, you know, for those of you who have maybe put up a couple things and not sold them right away because you see people like me putting up things and selling them right away, I just want to reiterate that I have worked really hard for a long time building a really big audience and casting a wide net. That's why my NFTs sold pretty quickly. And I've recently lost a bit of interest, but I am going to hop back on the NFT bandwagon because I see the potential. And I really think that this is where a segment of our art world is going. Not necessarily all of it. I'm always going to do murals, but I do believe in this whole weird NFT thing. And I think there's going to be a lot more coming of it in the future. And so I'm going to keep with it. And so if you're thinking about it and you want to put the work into it and you think that doing NFTs might be a better route for you rather than doing a different art form like murals that can be really physically exhausting, although very profitable, <laughs> not downing murals. They're, they just are very physically exhausting. And with me being very pregnant, <laughs> I am going to get into NFTs more and more because as I'm getting larger and more off balance with my baby belly, it's going to get harder for me to, you know, get on scaffolding and ladders and do those big projects where I'm climbing on over things. And so NFTs is going to be where I'm leaning more and more as it's calling for that, as my life situations are calling for that. So just let you know where I'm headed, just in case, you know, you have something similar and you want to head there too. And if you do, I have full videos that explain exactly how to mint on OpenSea and buy Ethereum and do the whole thing. I break it down into very easy steps that you can watch in through video anytime that you'd like. I'm showing exactly how I did it so that you can learn from a trusted advisor about how to do it as well. And and hopefully get some NFT sales. If not right away, then eventually, because yeah, like this, this is just so cool that people can make money through <laughs> the internet like this. Uh, I sound like an old person saying that. But anyway, okay, I hope you like this episode. I'll see you next week for an interview. Okay.